All right, everybody, welcome to this um, special uh, podcast. It's not really an episode per se in the normal format. Uh, this podcast is accompanying uh, the first investigative journalist piece uh, we've done here at Chipster Life, accompanied with, um, supported by Logan and, and Jennifer Arnold, uh, Logan Carroll. Um, so the conversation we had was just basically giving some context to the piece we wrote about the new slumlord in, in South Minneapolis, um, just so you could get to know sort of the backstory behind myself and and Jennifer and what we've done together uh, in preparation for this piece. Um, we just sort of talk about um, the dynamics and the growth of the organizing in the community. It's, just a, it's a really powerful story of a community of people um, that were seemingly dispossessed before they started organizing and how they developed their power and how they developed their sort of political vision and analysis. And uh, It was just, for me personally, it was, it was really amazing to sort of accompany them and, and, and be a part of... Um, be a part of, of the, uh, be supportive of their analysis uh, in the sort of investigation that I was putting together. Uh, but, you know, this was driven by their own vision and their own voice. And, and it's, a, it's an incredible story. It's good. It's really solid. Um, so it's likely the case that if you are listening to this, you're at the end of the piece, uh, I hope. And yeah, we just wanted to give you a little more uh, and just some general, a sort of a a relaxed conversation format, just a little more background behind um, where this all came from and, and what was going on with it and um, the sort of transformation that people experienced in, in, in organizing, in activism, and in advocating for themselves. Um, and, and partly why you're not going to hear the actual tenants themselves is there was a lot of anxiety um, around the usage of their own names and uh, because of their because uh, of fears around retaliation and also just uh, um, I have never really done the podcast in Spanish just because I'm a little self-conscious about my own Spanish capacity, even though I am a native speaker. Um, yeah, I'm saying um a lot because I'm nervous about admitting that. But that's just the truth, man. That's just how it's going right now. Uh, I think in the future I hope to have more podcasts in Spanish, but right now they're going to remain in English uh, until I get over my self-consciousness or I have other people uh, doing the podcast. But anyway, babbling on and off. I hope you enjoyed the piece. Uh, this is a great little opportunity to listen to Jen and I just talk about the organizing. And please comment, share. Uh, it's a great story. We're really excited about it. It took a really long time because this is the first time I've written something like this. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really proud of it. I really am. I'm, I'm going to be honest about that. Uh, so enjoy. You know, All like right, I. We're starting now. Great, awesome. Hey, Jen. Hi. So we're we're sitting at Gigi's Cafe. Is that what it's called? Yeah, listening to bad '80s music. Bad '80s music. I'm sure you can hear it. Sorry, audience. And there's a very perky waitress that's freaking me out. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I had a really nice. Uh, I don't even know what it was. It was like a spinach burger, vegan burger thing. Mm. Yes. You know, because it can always eat me. I went to the. I went for the bacon. <laughs> BLT. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, we we'll do a little podcast and talk about the so those of you that have been reading the article, uh, we just wanted to give a little more sort of texture and color around what the experience has been for both Jen and the Redters and even myself to an extent, as this being my first investigative piece for for Chipster Life. So I've it's been an experience for me as well. So um, what's it been like for you, Jen? <laughs> I know you know, and full disclosure, I've known Jen for about what like a year now, maybe or something. Peripherally, we yeah, got to know each other more New Year's Eve. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it started about a year ago that we we did a 
<laughs> I, I've been talking to Philly Berto about this. We uh, we discussed this in the last couple of weeks that when I started the work, I really just wanted to fix people's problems. Right, right. And so we started about a year and ago. That, and that being like a classic like white lady like yeah, thing, you know, absolutely. And organizing in, in this sort of advocacy space, right? It's like five hundred one c three like attitude yeah. towards like how to deal with people. Like, oh, let's just solve the problem. Let's throw right. money at it. Let's have a band aid or a solution. Just want to fix it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was getting these like you know enormous uh, emergencies. People would walk into the office and they'd be like, uh, you know, I'm gonna get. I have to move in a, in a week. And I, I just wanted a way to fix it. And so we did this we did this workshop with Homeline and three one one. You know, and just those, to like and those what are those two organizations just to be Yeah, yeah. So Homeline is a tenants advocacy. They say they're an organizing organization. Um, I haven't seen them do a lot of organizing. They do more like they'll write form letters for people okay. and stuff like that. So like a legal advocacy organization. Yeah, but they're usually the pre court. You okay. know. And then there's there's legal aid, which actually does work in court around housing. Um, and then we also brought in uh, 301, which is the line you can call that is attached to the city. That will, it's like their complaint line. Yeah. So an inspector can come out and look at your property and be like, oh, this is a problem. Okay. So we brought all those three groups in and, you know, they like talked at renters and, and everybody raised their hand about their specific issue, you know, and we were supposed to like stay general. Um, and it was really obvious walking out of that. Um, there were some board members from, from the Lindale neighborhood, um, Natasha and Roberto, that were just like, people need more. Yeah. And and it was obvious. It was like, that was a great start, and people need more. Um, and honestly... So and it we, sounds like two people needed more from you as well. You know, in terms of just, like, how, where to move this, how to, what to do about these things, like, yeah, how to yeah. deal with it. How do, we, how do we solve this? Yeah, in a one-off workshop where ten people show up just, like, doesn't do it. <laughs> you know, like, it's not, oh, we know everything we need to know about housing now. We're never going to get taken advantage of again. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. So we started having these, these uh, tenant meetings, uh, and we meet every two weeks. And, um, so that's where, you, that's where you started building people's awareness? Or, yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we, it was really difficult for me at first, honestly, mm. um, because, because the first thing that happens when you get into a room with folks who have trauma around housing is that they tell their stories, and they have to tell their stories a lot. Um, yeah. And, and they need to be heard and validated by other people. Um, and honestly, this was really triggering for my white lady fix-it issues, you know, because I'd hear the stories and I'd have already heard them at least once before. And I would just, I would just want to jump in and cut the person off and fix it because it was so painful to listen to, you know? Um, and, and I hadn't even lived it, right? This, and, and so the, the, the first, I mean, I can't even tell you how much learning I've done about just being in that space and understanding that it's not my role to fix it. Well, I mean, I think I think being a really distant observer too for me, what what has been, you know, appealing for me or what's been really endearing for me is is uh, you all are growing together, right? Like you all are, yeah. are taking this path yeah. together and on this journey together. Yeah. You know, you've never really done this type of work before. Natasha and Roberto haven't really done this type of work yeah. before. Yeah. And there's something really endearing and important about that. And the renters haven't done this type of advocacy before either. Like, yeah. They don't like they, none of them are say like, oh yeah, last year when I was blah blah blah. Like yeah. they don't have those stories. Those story right. their stories are immediate and they're very visceral and they're very raw because. It's, I mean, I think I think in a lot of ways, it's like you're providing, a, you created a space where it's the first time they've allowed to speak openly about something that's harming them. Yeah. At least as it relates to housing, like God right. knows whatever else is going on in their lives. Right. No, absolutely. Right. And 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 that's partly why it terrified me too. Right? Is that I realized that I didn't have the solution. Um, and and I've learned a ton about like what's legally possible and how to really right, support just the mechanics people. Of yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I've also learned to trust the group. 
right? And understand, like, we're, we're in this together. It's not my job to fix it. And I can look for the, the support and the networks and the, and the things I know that can help us. Yeah. And, and if, if there's really no legal solution, then, then we talk about it as a group. Yeah, we build fucking power, right? right. Like, you can cuss because it's not radio. So, <laughs> good, good, I'd like good. to clarify that with, with my guess. Right, um, which is the cool thing about when you move from the space of wanting to fix it to yeah. organizing is that a lot more is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, so the story that, we, that I wrote that you, you supported a lot in, in a lot of ways is about the renters, is about their experience mobilizing what their story is. And so, so I think the, uh, just to be and I'll mention this when I open the podcast, but our conversation is just about like what our experiences have been in doing this. And that's partly why you're talking about what your experience was. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Well, I mean, another piece of context for the, the podcast is that, um, you know, I, I still get... Yeah, this is a national audience, like, right, whoever's listening to this. It's good to be, like, really liberal. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I get walk-in traffic every day still from all over. Not still just, get a lot of folks, yeah. Yeah, not just the neighborhood, and, and it's, like, people who know people or people who know that I might know or be able to help them in some way. And so we, we've been working with folks in a lot of different buildings. Um, mm-hmm. But what we discovered in the course of trying to sort of build up the group was that in certain buildings people you know you you knock on the door and people kind of open it a little crack and they Mm. say yeah you know i got some cockroaches yeah maybe i'll come to that meeting and then they never show up what it really takes for folks to show up is cockroaches and the landlord treats them like shit Mm. or you know it's it's more than one thing because um, what pushes people to actually assert themselves reach out and and to sort of risk yeah, it's you know. a risk. It's a risk. It's Otherwise, they just say, I can put up with it. Right. The, the lease will be up soon. I can find something else. Right, right, right. Um, it, it takes more than, than just pests, I think, for people to actually move to action. Because yeah. it, it is. It's a huge risk. It is um, really, and, like, like, and, you know, to be clear, too, like a lot of these folks are undocumented. They're mostly Latino. Yeah. You know, use, you learn Spanish and was it Bolivia? Um, well, I mean, I started learning in high school, but I perfected it in Honduras. Right, and perfect then, if that's a word <laughs> for a language. And then for folks that aren't that aren't that don't know a lot about Minneapolis, I think what what I like to talk about as relates to Minneapolis is the Latino immigrant community is fairly is maybe one or two generations here in Minneapolis, and so. Um, if people are just wondering why I'm talking to this white lady about this, uh, it is it is the case that there's not enough of a, like a quote unquote professional class of like folks like me that grew up in Los Angeles speaking Spanish, like out of college, I can do this work, right? Like the, the community here is too young to like have developed that pipeline of leaders, and you're starting to see it a little more now. It's really yeah. exciting as it's developing, but uh, we're not in that place. And the other clarity is that like these folks are the conversations we've had with them are entirely in Spanish. We will be translating the article so that they can read it and, yeah. and you know have that experience and know that folks care about what's going on. Yeah, you know, and it's not just a conversation we're having amongst ourselves. Right. No, absolutely. Everything that we do is conducted in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Except for this right now. <laughs> Except for the article <laughs> on my podcast because I'm a little self-conscious about my Spanish. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of, of other bits of context that I'd like to add. Well, I, I think, I think um, sort of one of the big takeaways for me, too, as, again, an observer and a participant at some level, is um, there's, there's been a lot of people in town that have been wanting to do rectal organizing, right? Mm-hmm. There's been like really grandiose plans and things. And I think what's really impressive about what you've done is that you, you just did it. 
you know, like, it's been challenging for you, and we've been clear about that, it's been challenging for the renters themselves, but, like, created a model for, like, how to deal with renters, we have this investigative piece, we're going to publish something, like, Mm -hmm. all these, like, really nice components that are allowing us to tell the story in a really comprehensive way, Mm -hmm. in a way that's building power for these renters. We don't know what's going to happen yet, we're still in the middle of it, but... Yeah, I mean, and that's, everything that, that has happened in the last year has just been, like tremendous growth and I don't just mean like for me personally I just mean going from a place where we're you know we get three people in a room every two weeks to you know meetings that are 15 people with like 15 kids in the back of my office you know my my coworkers are all really upset with me because the kids have just like torn apart my office (laughs) yes but you know it's a big adjustment for my organization and for me and and for for the folks that we're bringing together right it's like what happens when we win this campaign you know what what happens to the group what what's going to happen to us and that's something that we're like always working on and figuring it out you know is what what else is important to people or you know what's basic standard of living yeah no and and i and i think one of the things that we talked about before we started recording is that you haven't even reached your apex no like we don't even know we don't really know where this is going yeah which is kind of exciting and scary like yeah we're gonna you know by the time you listen to this podcast the article's been published you know, I did try to talk to Quilling, and we finally got his phone number, and I talked to him, and he seemed really interested in talking to me initially, and they kind of backed off a lot, and but he was really nervous, and and I, and it's the only like there's been four pieces written about it, or like three or four pieces, right? Yeah, three. And nobody ever actually ever heard his voice before. Like I'm the only yeah. person that's heard his voice, and it's really yeah. odd and whatever. But right. he, I, he's clearly feeling the pressure, and I, it's exciting that that's yeah. happening. Yeah, no, and he's starting to treat his, his tenants differently, which is what I think time will tell us about, right? Is We're going to have a big conversation at our next meeting on, on Friday about with folks about, like, what happens if we stop now? Um, and, 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 you know, how everything that we've gotten so far, which is not very much, but it's like, you know communication from the landlord that is not angry right well t- say more about that <laughs> it's so what, like respect what, what was the communication like before like what are they responding to yeah so i mean until until now uh so since i would say since quilling bought a set of building in, buildings in august all the communications from the from qt properties has been um you know like brightly colored notes on the door saying in english or spanish i forgot both languages actually okay. he'll was do it, he'll do both decent spanish no. <laughs> okay, so it's just like Google Translate Spanish, or well, probably their their office person Fernando was doing it. I just okay. don't think he has a lot of respect for grammar. Um, okay. <laughs> but or, or how to communicate with these folks, right? Yeah, yeah, and and even some of the stuff has been like we don't even really know what he means by it in English or Spanish. Like <laughs> that has happened, okay. where people think it means wildly different things because he's not clear. Okay. Um, but you know, it's been brightly colored notes on the doors about like you need to get a new parking permit for your car. We're gonna tow it. You know, if you open your window in the winter, it's five hundred dollar fine. Um, if you let your kids play outside, it's you know. They were getting a new one, you know, once or twice a week. Wait, why would people open their window in the winter if it's, like, negative 20 or... Yeah, so, like, if their kitchen doesn't have any uh, oh, ventilation, which right. is true in all those apartments. Right. Um, and not that I think people should, but people were really afraid. It was really warm at the beginning of April, yeah. and they weren't allowed to open their windows. Um, and it was, like, whatever. Ridiculous rule. And right, so for those... For folks that are, don't know about Minneapolis, so it, it generally stays cold through April, then starts warming up in May. 
but we got unseasonable warmth this time. So like, yeah, a lot, I mean, even my own building, like the heater was still on, so I was just like sweating. It was like 60 degrees outside, but like they didn't turn off the heater yet. Right. So it's kind of an ordeal to like shut it down, I guess. So. Right, right. You know. So so that was going on, and it, and it's against the law actually to turn it off before April 15th. Okay, so good. that's that's <laughs> the, why they didn't. That's the piece I don't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out I know these things now. <laughs> um, but people were just really, uh, they felt really harassed and threatened. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I recently had a miscommunication with my landlord, and it's really stressful. And this was happening, you know, two times a week right. for everyone living in the buildings. Right. Um, and so, uh, and until last week, nobody had received any communication ever in writing from the landlord that was kind or respectful. God, I've never even thought about that. Like, in the last building I was in, I had to leave early to go back to California, and there was a big hoopla around, like, breaking my... All this... It was really stressful. Yes. But that only happened once. Right. And these folks are getting, like, sometimes daily, at least twice a week, contact. That's that's harsh. Right. Yeah. It's harsh and threatening and scary. Yeah. And then when they call to follow up on something, they're treated really rudely on the phone again. Yeah. Um, and so And so people just were feeling harassed. Um, and, and, and some of the stuff was really illegal. So it was like, you know, in mid-February, the landlord said, everybody needs to start paying rent online by mid-March. Right, right, right. And that's fine for folks who have month-to-month contracts. You can change the contracts a, a month ahead of time, or right. a lease, I'm sorry. I always say it like in Spanish. But, <laughs> but if it's a year lease, you can't change a material term of the lease unilaterally, which is what that is. Okay. Um, and, and basically, um, when anyone would call and say, I can't do that, they would get... You know, shout that or read that or get a hold of anybody. I mean, that was well, right. I mean, the first protest I went to with you all, uh, we just didn't even know where the hell their headquarters was. <laughs> right. And I yeah. was like, I think I could figure out where the hell this guy is. But we went to this like <laughs> random office. Like the doors were closed. Like right. Like somebody was like, oh, that got foreclosed on. Like no one had any idea. Yeah. Any of stuff was. It was just like a guess. And we had found out about that office through like a, a worker, an employee who had sort of mentioned to a tenant that, oh, I think they're on Hennepin and 31st now. Right. So they just were playing cat and mouse with us. And right, right, right. <laughs> and then what we discover in the in this investigation that I did is he had, he has, what, 30-some LLCs and then 20-some yeah. different properties. Like, this is, this is a monstrous, like, incredibly inefficient yes, little empire, really little inefficient. that he's created for himself to try to conceal his identity and his presence. Well, and, and if you think about it, so the landlord is modeling this really disorganized management sort of techniques and then the right. the owner actually right and then the management office has a different uh gerente manager and he is actually doing that behavior right that's true. Uh, he's he's perpetuating it in a different way with tenants so by there's a, there's a business culture here yeah yeah that that's that's like pretty disorganized moving around a lot i think uh is not available to tenants on purpose yeah no it's intentional it's very yeah. much so like that's yeah. you know it's speculative. It's a little speculative, but it's pretty obvious that the distance is intentional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hmm. So how are uh, how are folks feeling right now? So what's been happening this week? Yeah, so this week they started getting their first nice letters. <laughs> so we met last Wednesday. And is it still brightly colored? <laughs> no, it, it was in white. <laughs> and, and the first paragraph, you know, just talked about how they really wanted to reach out to tenants and have a conversation with them. And, and tenants told me... We've never heard anything this nice from him ever. <laughs> uh, you know, some tenants were pretty skeptical about it, sure, but uh, okay. other ones were impressed by the niceness. So um, since then, the management company, I think, has door knocked at least twice in the buildings, has tried to get a hold of... So this is after, to be clear, right, this is after them, like, avoiding, never wanting to come by, avoiding meetings, and now they're door knocking. 
Right. Like, yes, yes. But, you know, they're doing it so that they don't have to have a group meeting with us. Right, right, right. Because we've offered a group meeting multiple times, and then we could just... They wouldn't even have to door knock. We would turn out the people. Right, right, right. And have to hear people's anger and fury. Yeah. But they're afraid to meet with people as a group, and so they're... Right. And it's hard to tell, like, what Quilling actually knows. Jason W. Quilling, the owner yeah. of all these different properties. What he actually knows about what's happening. It's and, you totally know, as soon true. as he reads this, he'll know, but... Uh, is definitely unclear as to like what exactly he's responding to or what exactly is his strategy and what's his trend like in the lawyers that we've talked to it's clear that like most of what he's doing isn't necessarily illegal it's just silly it's just dumb right the way he structured his company or whatever so like it's just it's hard to it's hard to get us not that we need to but it's hard to get a sense of like what's in his head right like what motivates all this right, stuff right. You know? I mean anything we say about it is totally conjecture and it's weird because at, at sometimes during this whole process I've been like it's just that they have no fucking clue <laughs> right and other times during this process I've been like it's very intentional yeah. you know and, and I think it, there's, there's well, it's somewhere both. along yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certain things are really intentional and certain things are just really clueless because he is clueless what, what's clear is he's, to me what's clear is that he's intentional in trying to conceal himself and he's clueless about how or what the law is and what he can actually do to people. I think that's true. That seems to be corroborated by my experience with his management in court, for example, who who was schooled by the the arbiter. So you've been in court with him? Yeah, so... Um, but he wasn't there, though, right? No, it was his office manager, Fernando. This Fernando guy. Okay. Yeah, Fernando Campofreda. And, and Fernando, like, started arguing with the arbiter about the situation, and she said... Now you have to be quiet, and I will tell you about how the law works. <laughs> that was really uh, inspiring for tenants who were there. Because, like, it's weird, right? Because, like, that, that to me screams entitlement is an entitlement in the, in the company, but then he's also, like, really distant and nervous. Like, yeah. I just don't, you know, not, like, I don't know why I get so caught up in, like, thinking about who this person is, but, like, it's also just, like, I just don't get him. Right, you yeah. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just, have a strategy and like, right. like get a lawyer yeah, who knows about Some how professionals. to yeah and there's a lawyer invested in one of the companies that you know so there's a lawyer roaming around somewhere but it, it feels like he doesn't like he didn't have a lawyer representing his company in court yeah and that's a common thing for a big landlord to have somebody that they yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah. apartment shop has a lawyer that they employ every time so they don't ever have to go to court so apartment shop is this other sort of suspicious character in the neighborhood that Owns a lot of properties. Owns a lot more, actually. Actually, owns. They own more. I think, like over a thousand units across the wow. city. So it's it's really enormous. And we get complaints about them, but it's unclear. Yeah. The extent of the problem. I would say that they understand how the law works a lot better than QT properties. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about. Uh, like what happens next? Like what's next? What's next for this group of people? What's what do you think? What do you envision is going to happen? I mean, a lot of it just we're not in the middle of a decision, so it's hard to say what's next. I don't know why I'm like even drawn to asking that question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I feel I feel like it's sort of two pronged. One is this: uh, we need to continue mounting pressure yeah, on right. the company in order to get a meeting and get some of our demands met. Uh, we, the the group wrote a demand letter. There were all these things that folks wanted, but yeah. we sort of pared it down based on themes and stuff. Um, and it's actually just really simple, straightforward stuff um, that is very clearly spelled out. And so um, I think we want to mount pressure to start getting concessions from the individual landlord. But at the same time, because of the meeting... Just make their living situation a little more... Because again, yeah. like, it's, not like, it's not like people are like asking for like granite countertops. They're asking for like... A six-month lease and right. to be treated with respect. Right. Like, 
to fumigate the damn building is just full of yeah. bugs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not... And clearly, like, some of that is happening, right? Fernando knocking doors and talking to people is a, a big step on the way to treating people with respect. Right. Um, and so we'll see how folks feel about yeah. that. But there's clearly a structural problem that yeah. needs to be dealt with. And, and, what, you know, and what's most beautiful about, like, being in the room and, like, hearing folks is, like, they're definitely building a sense of their own power, which is, like, a, a really amazing thing. Yeah, I would say, and we haven't touched as much on this, but I would like to make sure to say it. You know, being in that space and having people tell their stories, what has happened is, um, I think folks get uh, emboldened to act by hearing other people. You know, they're like, I heard over and over again about this online bill thing. I can do it. I can figure out a way to do it. My nephew can do it for me or something, but not everybody in this building can. And then after having connections and talking to people and knowing exactly who that is, that that drives people to work together and actually mm. really push for for change. So that's where the solidarity comes from and the communal yeah. the collective action that yeah. they've been doing. Right. It's it's like building the space where they have an understanding that it's not them by themselves, mm-hmm. and then gathering strength from each other to say. So yeah, and I think and I think um, and I think it seems like to you what really is driving this is the storytelling. Yeah. It's at the center of all of it. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about storytelling and what it means. So, like I was saying at the beginning, it was so hard for me to hear people's stories because they were so painful. Um, But stories is now where we start and where we end. Because, um, you know, we'll start our meeting on Friday by saying, like, what's been happening? What are your stories? Uh, And that will base, you know, that will be the beginning of the conversation about, like, how should we respond? Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and what do we want? Um, but always grind, grounding what we're doing in people's experiences and their stories is what makes the work a co- collective work, right? That's like why I don't own it. You know, the only reason this has been successful is because everybody's come together and told their stories. Yeah, and you've been comfortable uh, becoming a facilitator as opposed to a, me- a mediator of like a solver, a solver of a problem <laughs> that you just can't do. Like it's just not your place to do that. Anyway. No, no. Especially no. given the racial dynamics too, it's just like, kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be clear about that. Right? Yeah, let's, let's, be not, let's not do it around that. Let's be honest. I realize, uh, just as an aside, I realize I'm kind of uncomfortable in the podcast too because I've never interviewed a white person for my podcast. <laughs> it's always been people of color. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's good yeah. for me too to like expand myself a little bit, stretch myself out. I Think about what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Right. I understand why you're the website. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, want uh, to be a little short one, just to get some ideas across. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the article. Uh, make sure to. We'd love to hear comments from folks. Say something. There's space for that in the, in the piece. Share it on Facebook. Uh, and we'll likely write a follow-up at some point because there's a lot going on right and uh, we, know, we don't know where this is going to lead I don't know where this is going to lead got that Jason it's going to go somewhere <laughs> yeah, just don't know where yeah. <laughs> we'll go alright thanks Jen thank you